Yeah, so last week we got hammered, didn't we? If you're here last week, if you read Romans chapter 1 through to Romans chapter 3, verse 20, Paul is basically hammering us. What he's saying is that uh, this good news of Jesus is about a salvation that we need to be saved from God's wrath and God's judgment. And because of that, he's going to outline why we need to be saved. Why is God angry? Why is he going to bring judgment around? Well, he's bringing judgment because we've all mucked up. Every one of us. That's what the word sin means, doesn't it? Everyone's mucked up. Everyone has done wrong. doesn't matter who you are. And he goes and he says in the first couple of uh, verses there in chapter 1, he says that the world itself, you look at it, pick up the paper, pick up the Roman times, he says to them, and read through it and see all the things that they're doing that's against what God would want us to do. Pick up our Daily Telegraph or our Sydney Morning Herald. Read the first 10 pages and you can pretty much read exactly what Paul writes in chapter 1. Sexual immorality, sexual impurity, lust, greed, envy, strife, murder, slander. This goes on. So he says there's one ship that's in trouble. Blatant sin. The people who are in that, they're in trouble. Ship 2. The moral hypocrites, the ones that think they're better than the others and say, well, I'm not like them down the road. They're in trouble too because they set their own agenda and their own rules, but yet they break them as well. They can't keep up to their own standards. So there's the blatant sin sin boat and then there's the moral hypocrite boat and then there's the religious traditionalist boat. The Jews to that stage or in our ones, the people who think that just because they go to church they're going to be okay. Or just because they're Scottish, they're going to be okay. Or just because they're Australian, Anglo-Saxon, they're going to be okay. Or just because they're whatever, they're going to be okay. They too fall short of how good God is. They don't make it. And so Paul in Romans chapter 3, verse 9 says this, if you've got it there. What shall we conclude then? Are we any better? Not at all. We've already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under sin. And then he goes and just piles on, on even more. He says there's no one righteous, not even one. Their mouths, their feet, they're all everything, every part of their body completely taking them away from God. Everyone is in big trouble. Who's been watching the rugby lately? Yeah, it's good though, is it, Renee? Well, if you've got a New Zealand heritage, it's got a great heritage to it. But uh, it's not good unless you're New Zealander. Uh, it's been terrible, hasn't it? Australia has been pummeled, destroyed, ripped apart. And those all blacks, they're just awesome, aren't they? And if you see rugby, they have this thing, I think it's called the mall. I'm not very good at rugby, uh, this mall. But they just pile on top of each other. And, and what happens is the poor Aussie blokes are just getting squashed at the bottom because these huge New Zealanders are just boof on the top. And it's a horrible sight, isn't it? Because the Aussie just splattered on the bottom and there's all these New Zealanders on top and they go and score a try. In a sense, Romans chapter 3 makes you feel like you're on the bottom of a New Zealand mall, that you've been squashed. Because basically you just get all this stuff just keeps getting adding up on top and on top and bigger and you're getting more and more pummeled and in the bottom of it you're just losing more and more air because all the stuff that you've done wrong, you just feel it more and more. Uh, who's played the game Stacks On? <laughs> Same concept. Yeah, Les, do you want to try it now? No. Uh, what you do is you get a person and you say, Stacks On, Les. So what we do as a whole church, we'd run over 
and we'd land on top of him and squash him to the ground. Same sort of feeling. If you've ever been on the bottom of a Staxon, which I have, uh, it's really quite scary. You know, you can take one. Oh, yeah, I can handle that. Two, well, oh, three. Four, five, six. By the end of it, you feel like, get off! I'm going to die. My breath's taken away. I can't go. I'm gonna get... And you can't get out of it. There is no way out unless someone comes and pulls them off. At the end of Romans chapter 3, verse 20, you feel like you're at the bottom of the scrum. You feel like there is no hope and at your last gasp, is there any hope? Can it, is there any possibility of me being saved? Is there any possibility of me being with God forever? And you feel like there's none. Have you ever been in one of those times where you've just had a, something's gone wrong, you've been at night, and you've been feeling like the night's just dragging on and on and on and you just want to get to the other side of it. Uh, recently I've been getting some headaches in the middle of the night. I've been waking up with headaches and uh, I've got to get out of bed and I take a Panadol and then I take a Nurofen and then I just sit there and I just hope that the headache goes and I hope that the new day comes in and it's gone. It's a horrible feeling, isn't it, when you get to that stage? You just want to get rid of it. Is there a new day? Is there a light of day for us? Is there a light of day for our souls? Is there a light of day for our lives? Is there a light of day that we can get out from under that scrum? Is there a light of day that we can get and we can feel free? Well, let's have a look at what Romans chapter 3, verse 21 says. And Graham, I think, is going to read that for us. Chapter 3, verse 21 through to 31, and it will be up on the screen. So if you've got your Bibles, that'll be good. Romans 3.21. But now righteousness from God, apart from law, has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. He did this to demonstrate his justice because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Where then is boasting? It is excluded. On what principle? On that of observing the law? No, but on that of faith. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from observing the law. Is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles too? Yes, of Gentiles too, since there is only one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through that same faith. Do we then nullify the law by this faith? Not at all. Rather, we uphold the law. It's a great passage, isn't it? Uh, did you see the light of day? 
Did you see the bright morning come forth? Uh, it comes forth in a person, doesn't it? In Jesus. He says there in verse 21, But now a righteousness from God, apart from the law, has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This is something that's been talked about in the Old Testament. It's now come to light. What is this righteousness? What is this goodness? What is this beyond all other good? This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. It's through Jesus, isn't it? It's a person. It's no longer a law. It's no longer trying to do something because we can't. We can't get out from underneath that rugby moor by ourselves. We need someone to do it for us. You know, sometimes it's hard, isn't it? Because when we think of our lives and we look at the stuff that we've done wrong, the things that we've said, the things that we've thought, the times we've done something that we shouldn't have done, the times when we've broken a relationship, the times when we've spoken something, we should know when we've told an untruth, when we've hurt someone. It piles up on us, doesn't it? And it hits us. And sometimes we like to move those piles around and say, and break them into smaller parts. And we think those smaller parts are going to make it easier. But in the end, it's one big pile on top of us. And it makes us unrighteous. That is, it makes us impure. It makes us not holy. We're not as good as God. And we never will be. So God steps in. And brings about a righteousness, a goodness, but not of our own, but of Jesus. That Jesus is and does everything that God ever wanted him to do. He was the perfect example. He did everything God just wanted him to do. That is doing something weird. Well, that'll do that. Uh, he is the perfect example of all of it. And his righteousness now becomes ours if we trust and believe in him. You see what Jesus does, he comes in and in a sense he picks up that rugby maul, he pulls us out from under it and then goes under it himself and lets it land on him. All that we've done wrong is placed on him. And it's amazing, isn't it? There's some fantastic verses here from verse 23 and 24. He said, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's that picture again, isn't it? Everyone isn't as good as God. No one can get there. Actually, even the best person in this world is light years away from being as good as God. All have fallen short and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. There's some amazing words in there, isn't there? Uh, and I want to unpack them a little bit for us this morning because unpacking them gets us understand how this could possibly happen. How does God freely make us right with himself? That's what justified means, to make us right with him, to take away our punishment. It's like the God, God the judge, uh, comes down and says, okay, you are now innocent. Nothing is held against you anymore. It's that sense of forgiveness, isn't it? That you've been forgiven. But it's even better than forgiveness because he's not only are you forgiven, but you actually come and enjoy all that I have. All the benefits of love and my presence. And Jono's not too good. Jono's eyes have gone out. So we'll give him a chance to head out, mate, hey? Nigel, you going to look after him? That'll be great. For those who don't know, John's got uh, failing sight. Every now and then his eyesight goes out and he can be out for two or three hours. So 
please pray for him uh, that his eyesight will come back? Because one of John's greatest fears is that there'll be a day when it doesn't. So, uh, you let him pray today. That's pretty good. John's always pleased when that happens. all right mate I shall how's that sound Heavenly Father we thank you for Jono we thank you for the great blessing that he is Lord we do pray that your hand will be upon him that he will know your peace and Lord he will know your presence at this time and Lord that he will uh, know that you'll pull him through this and bring him out the other side Lord we do pray that his eyesight will be returned and that he will feel better we pray Lord that you'll care for him and look after him in Jesus name Amen No worries, John. You're doing well, mate. You've got to get your eyesight back for Tuesday lunchtime, mate. He's taking me out for lunch to the pub. So it's got to be ready by then, John, eh? So uh, we're at a spot. This passage, if you ever want to learn a verse off by heart, have it memorised. Uh, this is from verse 23 through to 24. It's just fantastic, isn't it? Uh, memorise this. It helps you understand it. what it's all about. Uh, it's all compacted in here. And it all comes about by saying, firstly, that we are justified. That is, we are made or declared innocent. Is that driving everyone crazy? Okay. It's driving me probably crazy more than you. Um, We've been justified. We have been declared innocent. We have been forgiven. And we have been welcomed back into God's family to enjoy his presence and his love forever. It's like what Jesus has done as he's come into the rugby mall. He's picked up all those that have done. He's dived underneath and he's come up and he's burst out and he's busted them and he's taken them all off and he's gone off and scored a try. That's how good it is. Because when Jesus, what he's talking about here is that on the cross, in his death, he takes on all that we've done wrong. All those things, all those piles, all the things that we've done wrong, he takes it on himself. And then he defeats that and rises from the dead and scores the best try anyone could score, which is eternal life. And he says, that's yours if you trust and believe in me. It's like, have you ever played with a magnifying glass? I think I've mentioned this before. You get a magnifying and you can burn grass or ants or beetles or other things. Uh, what that does is the magnifying glass gets the sun's heat and just focuses it right down and penetrates it into one spot. And that's what happens at the cross. Is God's wrath, his anger, his judgment that he's talked about in chapters 1 to 3 that he's going to pour out on those that disobey him he pours it out and focuses in right on Jesus. So that me, so that we can be justified, so that we can be called innocent, so that we can be brought into God's presence and experience his love, compassion, his concern, his grace, 
for eternity. That's amazing. Let's get back to God's word. Who cares if you can't hear it on CD? You're not going to download it from the, the web later. Uh, so we've been justified and we've been paid for. Redemption. The word redemption means to be paid for, to have something that's cost. Uh, redemption means ransom. Uh, so if someone's in slavery or someone's been taken hijacked or hostage, they want to ransom, they want to have it paid back. And what, what it does is it's saying that Jesus is our ransom for you and me. But here's what has cost God the enormous amount of cost, isn't it? He's given up his son for you and I. He's taken that for us. And what that means is that we are free now. I don't know whether you've been watching just about every show on television at the moment, uh, which is the reality shows like MasterChef, Survivor, all those other ones out there. They have this thing called the Immunity Idol or the Immunity Card, uh, where what happens is if you win a, a specific thing or you win, do something, then you get an immune thing and you can't get voted off. So you're safe when you're in the show. So Survivor, you can just forage around and find an idol. Master Chef, you can do something uh, amazing, a meal of some sort, and you can be immune from being voted off. Our immunity card is Jesus. So we can be safe with him so that we don't experience his wrath, his anger and his judgement. That's what the word atonement means. Uh, the word actually is propitiation. Uh, it means to remove the anger and the judgment of someone or something upon someone else. The atonement that he's talking about here is that God's anger and judgment has been removed from you and I. It's been taken from us by Jesus. And God hands to us the immunity card in Jesus. All we need to do thank you and take it. That's what it says, doesn't it? For those, the righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference. There's a light to the day, isn't there? There's hope underneath that rugby mall. There's a sense that we can live forever if we trust in Jesus. In Jesus, he comes in and he deals with all those things that we've done wrong, all the things that we've said, all the things that we've done, all the things that we've thought, the times when we've disappointed our husbands or our wives, the times when we've disappointed our friends, the times when we may have done that slightly dodgy deal, the times when we've let down people who we love, have all been taken by Jesus. That's wonderful news, isn't it? That is great news. That is the good news of the gospel. So how do we live in light of that? How do we live if we know that? Well, what does it say there in verse 27? It says, Where then is boasting? It's excluded. On what principle? On that of observing the law? No, but on that of faith. There is no boasting anymore. No one can go around and say, I'm better than anyone else. No one can go around and say, well, God's chosen me because there's something special about me. No. There's nothing. It's all to do with God. 
It's all to do with Jesus. There should be no one in this room who should walk out of here and think that they're better than anyone else anywhere. Because there's no difference, is there? There's no boasting, there's no discrimination, he says, doesn't he? Look at that. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from observing the law. Is God the God of the Jews only? Is he not the God of the Gentiles too? Yes, of the Gentiles too. There is to be no discrimination. Living in light of knowing this is freedom, isn't it? Freedom to know that we're loved by God. Freedom to know that it's all him and not us. We're not to boast in that. Freedom to know that everyone in this whole world is in the same place. There is to be no discrimination for those who know the truth of the gospel. Now you've got to ask yourself whether you do. Even just slightly. How often have you used that joke about another race? How often have you had a go about people who have red hair? Rangs. Oh well, there's a few of us here. Uh, Look, I don't mind that particularly, but take it seriously. How often have we done that? How often have we looked down on the Aboriginal community? How often have we looked down on the Jewish community? How often have we looked down on those that are coming in from other countries? It's tough, isn't it? Because when we look at each other, there's times when we have been discriminatory. Now the great news is God forgives us for that, but he wants us to live in light of that so that we don't do it. So we're not out there making jokes about other people like that. That We're not out there putting them down. That we're not out there just thinking, oh yeah, that's just because they're from over that side of town. Or that's just because they come from that country. Or that's just because they've got that colour skin. But we are to love them and care for them and bring them the good news of Jesus that says there is no Jew, there is no Gentile, there is no black, there is no white, there is no male, there is no female. There is no discrimination for God's love. It reaches out and touches everyone. And so so should we. So should we. So there's no boasting if we're living in the light of the gospel. There's no discrimination when we're living in the light of the gospel. And I've got to say that I reckon the other thing that's not said specifically here, but Paul is doing it, is when we understand this, then there should be no shutting us up about Should there? This is just the best news ever for everyone, everywhere. That they can be made right with God. That it's not about who they are and what they do. It's about Jesus and about how much God loves us. That he sent Jesus to die and take our punishment so that we can be justified, so that we can be redeemed, so that we can be atoned for, so that we can be made right with God for eternity. It's beautiful news. It's wonderful news. We have a thing in our home called the New Book Syndrome. And the New Book Syndrome is that when someone in our family reads a new book, you don't, you can't get away from it. You hear it every day, all day, every day, and just keep coming back to us. Because they're sold on it. I'm not going to tell you who that person is, but I think you'll probably guess. And the one at the moment is called Sugar is Poison. Have you read that? Don't read it. 
Okay? No. It's probably got some truth in it somewhere. Maybe. We're on the back pages. Uh, sugar is poison and that's bad for you. And so therefore, sugar is gone just about everywhere in our house. Well, we're trying not to let that happen. But it's basically that. It's, it's sold on it and she tells everyone about it. Oh, I gave it away who it was. <laughs> but isn't it amazing that we can get so excited about a book about sugar that actually is stopping us from getting to eternity quicker? <laughs> you and here we have the greatest news about Jesus that impacts our life now and transforms our life now and takes us into eternity where we're going to have the biggest banquet of the most sugar you could possibly imagine. Everything laid out. There we know books about sugar being poisoned there. But yet. But yet. We get excited about a book. But are we excited about Jesus? Have a think about that. How often have you told someone about something that's come your way that you've been really excited about? But how often have you told them about Jesus? And how good he is? Back in 1818, uh, there was a real epidemic that was happening in the world. Women were dying. Uh, They were giving birth and they were dying. One in six women died after giving birth. Because what would happen is, back then the doctors, uh, they would, the morning, their routine was, the morning they'd go and do autopsies on people who died that day, and then they'd go and check out the women who'd given birth or help them in birth, and then they'd go on to their other things. And they'd just move from one to the other. A guy who's a doctor called Semmelweis, that's his surname, uh, decided to change that. What he, what he did, he found out that if he washed his hands before when he'd done the autopsy and he, when he went to treat the women, the rate of being able to live rose dramatically. Out of about 8,600 births that he was part of, only about 100 women died. And all it was that he needed to wash his hands. Uh, he went to a doctor's uh, forum where they were all sitting around and he explained to them, he said, look, doctors, it's simple. All you need to do is wash your hands and you will save lives. And they bagged him out. They thought he was stupid. And women kept dying. This poor guy died at the age of 46, insane. He couldn't stand the fact that women everywhere were dying because doctors wouldn't wash their hands. That news was so simple. What great news we have here. The news of Jesus, who washes us clean, who takes all that we've done wrong upon himself, all those piles that we've had, all those things that we've done, he takes it on himself. He nails it to the cross. He rises again. And he says, you can be free. You can be justified. You can be innocent. And you can be welcomed into my presence of love for eternity. All you need to do is take Jesus. That's great news, isn't it? There is light at the end of a dark night. Glorious light. Our glorious Jesus. Let's pray.
Father, it's amazing that we just take a moment to contemplate what we've just read and what we've just heard. Well, we don't deserve it. We really don't. But your love and your grace reaches out to us. Even while we were your enemies, even while we deserve your anger and your judgment, reached out to us in Jesus. He's taken all the punishment that we deserve. Your anger and your judgment has been poured out on him so that we may stand innocent before you and welcomed into your family. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for that. Help us to never tire of hearing that. Help us to never get blasé about that. Lord, and if that's the first time we've heard it today, if that's where you touch the core with us, Lord, we pray that we will give our heart and our life to you and believe and trust in you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.